Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Be wise enough not to wear yourself out trying to get rich. Your money can be gone in a flash, as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. Money is always an issue in marriage. With a husband and wife having different perspectives and philosophies on just about everything, going into marriage without hammering out a basic financial plan is going to bring about conflict. And if that conflict is not resolved to a reasonable degree, it can destroy a marriage. I'd like to share my story, coming to Jesus, and compare our finances before and after because we got victory. Before I came to Jesus, having money to me was important because I wanted to have a life that I could enjoy. The more money I had, the more I thought I would enjoy life because the more things we could buy and the more things we could do. I thought we balanced our money fairly well. We didn't have a lot of money for the first several years, but what we did have, we were careful not to go into debt. And if we had a credit card balance, we'd try to pay that off as quickly as we could. But it seemed like we always ran short on money at the end of the month. And the answer, of course, was to get more money, to work more, to earn more. The problem was that never seemed to work. And what I didn't realize then is that we were actually not that good with our money. We were not accumulating wealth. Rather, we were blowing what money we had. And we were not investing because we had really no income to invest. And we really had no long-term strategy for financial independence. And that caused some issues. But now enter Jesus. Years later, where everything in the kingdom of God seems to be upside down. If you want to be strong, you must become weak. If you want to increase, you must decrease. If you want to be full, you must empty yourself. And when I was learning this, it irritated me. I couldn't understand why couldn't I just work hard and earn stuff and do it my way. Because that was the way that I did it before. And it seemed to work okay. It seemed right to me. In Proverbs fourteen twelve, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And I would discover that in Christ, it's all about him. And my way was leading toward death, not necessarily physical death, but just a place where things were no longer alive. And then when I made it all about him, or at least tried to, I began to see the results spoken of in scripture, this thing called blessing, where there's just a favor upon your life. So that's where I went. And the process, it took a while, but this is how I learned how to be content with our finances. First, understanding James 1.17, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is fixed, he is constant, and he is good. What money I did have, I discovered it was a gift from God. You know, I earned it, but God provided me with the job to earn it. He provided me with the health to earn it. He provided me with the mind he provided. He could have took that away at any time. And the Lord also keeps us in that place of protection where when we abide in him, we are shielded from certain things that cost us a lot of money, time, sanity, etc. Things break down. We got medical bills, we got kids in sports, whatever. But in Christ, there is a refuge, a place where we can rest and be sheltered. Psalm 511, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt you. So practically, what does this look like? Taking refuge in him and having joy and watching his protection over you. Well, one example, in 1996, I decided to purchase a decent car for myself. My wife always got the nice car. I usually drove beaters because if they broke, I could usually fix them. But now things were different. I wanted a car that the AC worked and we could take on a trip if we wanted to. But I knew our budget and it wasn't allowing me for a brand new car. So I had to buy a used car. So I prayed and I asked God, you know, can I have a car? Here's the budget. And I felt the time was right. So I went out and I looked for a car and I did something that I have never done before. I went to a used car lot. I found a nice car lot and 
I went in, I talked to the guy, and I said, this is what I've got, and this is what I'm looking for, hoping that he would have something that was decent because we didn't have a lot of money. And I, I said, here's my budget. This is all that I've been approved for for a loan, and it wasn't that much. And he showed me a car, and I'm like, I told you my budget. And he goes, I'll sell you this for that much. And I still drive that car today. Matter of fact, I just put the second thermostat in it a couple of days ago. Now, this was not a hot rod or a pimped out 4x4. Rather, it was a four-door sedan with all the options, including AC, which still works, by the way. It wasn't fancy, but I knew it was the car for me, so I bought it. And I still love that car. And God provided the car for us. So since 1996, I've only had to buy one car for me. God provided that car. And it was no coincidence that I went to that place that day. I didn't really want to, but I felt God was going to show me something, and he did. And I got a lot of other stories like that, but moving on. The next thing I learned, and again, this is that upside down thing again, comes out of 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That verse is so awesome. Basically, what it's saying is that since God is so generous, since he is so full of grace, giving good things to people that don't deserve it, and we are made in his image, we need to be the same. We need to be focused on giving. I'm not talking about just simply dropping a check off when they pass the plate. That's not what I'm talking about. I discovered that one of the big problems I had was I was selfish. I didn't want to give to anybody else. Like, this is my money. Get out of here. You know, I'll give you a tip if you do a good job, that kind of thing. But God is not like that. God blesses people continually. And I needed to understand that it's my role to represent God. That means to bless people. So it's not just giving money. It's giving your time, maybe donating your skills to help people. And I learned this. And that is how I learned how to do a lot of construction work, which worked out really cool because I ultimately was able to do a lot of things when we built our house myself and save a lot of money. But that skill development came from being generous. I knew that's what God wanted me to do. So giving, giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your resources, that needs to be hardwired into our brain. Because typically we're not born that way. We're born selfish. Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God supplies us with everything that we need. He takes care of us. I've watched in our church since the 90s when I started going. My pastor has never asked for money. They do an offering, but many times he's given that message before the offering. He's like, look, if you don't go here, don't give. We don't need your money. We're not going broke. This is an opportunity for those who want to give to give. And he taught out of 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and that revolutionized my thinking. Giving is actually something that blesses the person who gives, making us generous, making us looking at other people's needs and saying, you know, I might be able to meet that. And then what happens, God sees that, and then he blesses us and our needs. Works out really good. So I began to, in the early days, give of our resources, starting with a little. I noticed my life was kind of being blessed. It was pretty cool. And then as I saw needs among people, I tried to use our resources to help them in small ways. And it really paid off. It was very cool. I was able to bless them. God was glorified and God just took care of me. So giving, it also breaks our greed and it teaches us that when we are led by the Spirit to give somewhere or to someone, God will bless that person. And the person that gave will also be blessed in some way. It may not be financially, rather it may be some major thing you're praying for. You, know, you want your prayers answered, obey God. So if you got a kid who's on drugs and you want him to get clean and you're sitting there praying and praying and praying, make sure you're obeying God. You got a marriage that's ready to explode, 
Make sure you're obeying God. Be obedient and be ready to be generous. Give, don't demand. And you'll see crazy things start to happen. Not only that, but there's a reward in heaven for those who obey God. So it's not just here that you're going to be rewarded. During my career, I met new people every day. It comes with a job. And I began to take out some of our giving and put it in my wallet. And I would pray that God would show me someone who I could bless with his money. And he was faithful. And giving money to a stranger when God opens the door showed me the power of giving and the love of God that naturally follows. People were blown away by this. They couldn't believe someone's just going to give them something like that. That's a good witness. And I saw that and I go, that's the way God is. As a side note, I believe that everyone who is committed to a local church should in some way support that church. If the church is faithful to teach the scriptures, and if you're growing spiritually in this church and you're getting closer to God and you're seeing that and the pastor and the elders, everyone, they're faithful people, then that is a church worthy of supporting it. Whether it's financial, whether it's volunteering, whether it's doing whatever, you should do something to help that church because you're getting something good from it. You're getting something eternal. But if you want to give, make sure that principle in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is there. Give cheerfully, not grudgingly or under compulsion. And when you give, and it's a pleasure to give, it's good to give, you feel like, yeah, I want to do this, then you'll feel the blessing of God as he starts to light your soul up. Now, having said that, I don't believe a Christian is obligated to any church to give a church 10% of their income. That's my thing. I don't believe it. Your giving is between you and God and needs to be at the level you can maintain a cheerful heart and not feel compelled to give. I also don't believe that the total amount of money you want to give is required to go to a church. You give to God, and in your world, there are people that are in need of the love of God and need people to be a light in their dark world. Giving is a great way to be a light in someone's darkness. Plus, it contradicts most unchurched people's view that churches are all about asking for money, and some churches are. I've been to churches, it's like, that's ridiculous. But how cool is it when instead of asking for money, we share our money with someone without expectation of being reimbursed? It's awesome. Try setting aside some money and asking God, Lord, where can I use this to glorify you? And just wait. Wait for the month to end. And if that month comes and goes and there's still no place to give it, keep it. Keep praying. And you will find God will open up a door and you say, hey, you know what, man? Let me take care of that for you. This is from the Lord. What? Who are you? Don't worry about it. Try it. And if you're patient and sensitive to the Spirit, you will find this is a powerful tool to bless and to be blessed. Early in my career, I had the opportunity to invest in a retirement account. Many organizations offer like a 401k or something similar to that. And a bunch of people were dumping lots of money in their account. But I looked at the amount of money we had left over at the end of the month and decided to invest this money in our family. So we would go do things that cost money beyond that of normal life activities. And my thought was we would become a closer family and our kids would have a better shot at following Jesus when they left the house. We wanted to spend a lot of time with our kids, but it cost money. And so I did that. If I would have invested all of that money into my retirement account, then I would have a lot of money available when I retired. But what was the cost? Our kids love us. They're close to us. They still hang out with us. And they're doing very well. And their families are solid. And the strategy worked. But how difficult is it to convince a person to forego a better retirement and risk the money on your kids? Does mom need to work? Can mom stay home? That's a lot of money we're going to lose. And I know many people, they got married, two incomes, kids went to daycare, kids went to school, and now guess what happened when those kids are grown? Those families are not close. 
Some of them are. Some of them are good families. But there are a lot of families that are good that their kids don't want anything to do with them. They never connected with their kids. So they've got money, yep, but they lost their kids. So investing to me is investing in the things that are eternal first. And that's not to discourage anybody from investing. We need to have a mind to invest to the future, but just watch where your money goes, what is truly important for the long haul. Having a close family, having good health, paying off your house, or having a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and then right when you get to the rainbow, you get cancer and die. A guy who I considered a friend, good guy, worked really hard, got right to the end of his retirement, getting ready to retire, and before he could retire, he was dead from cancer. So be careful. Pray about where God wants you to put your money. Lastly, I had to learn that I'm not the center of the universe. I'm called to be a servant, not only to Jesus, but to the world, and that includes my family. And when my wife wants to spend some money on something, and it's reasonable, but I think it's dumb, I must remember I am supposed to be a blessing to those around me, including her. And part of that blessing is sacrificing for others. So putting this into play, I find that when I do these things, God blesses me in some way. So even though the dumb thing costs money, and I think the money should stay in the bank, I still will say, okay, let her have it within reason. So when I ask for something and God makes it happen, I'm reminded of his goodness and my responsibility to demonstrate that goodness towards others. Because God does that. You know, now we're not rich. We don't have a fat bank account. I still drive my car since 1996. I still wear old jeans and t-shirts. But I realize how much God has blessed my life by having Jesus as my king. And I have learned that very difficult art of being content with what I have and not resentful because I don't have things. 1 Timothy 6.6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, these things we will be content. So use your money to bless others, including your family. Talk about your money strategies. Find places where you can give some of your money to bless somebody. And don't get wrapped up into thinking that money is your security. Jesus is our security. Money comes and goes, but the love of God endures forever. Thank you.